I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3 Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. On this episode, as Canada and the U.S. negotiate NAFTA behind closed doors, a top U.S. Republican lawmaker has publicly turned up the heat. The GOP House Whip has said there is growing frustration in Congress with what he calls Canada's negotiating tactics. We look at what the urgency is in the talks and what it may take to get a deal done. It's Wednesday, September 19th. Tom Blackwell is a senior reporter with the National Post who's been covering NAFTA negotiations. So, the Republican House Whip, a Trump ally, has said basically the clock is ticking for Canada to get on board before the train leaves the station. What is the sense of urgency for getting this done? Well, I mean, it's a complicated uh, situation. It's basically a combination of politics in Mexico and the U.S. law that sort of determines um, how trade deals are approved by Congress. The goal is to get the the deal signed in Mexico before the end of November. That's when the current president uh, leaves office and and just before the the new president uh, uh, takes takes office. And the idea is that uh, you know the the, the outgoing president. Uh, Peña Nieto can sort of claim this as a as a legacy. The new guy can can blame any sort of uh, um, blowback on on or pushback on the on the deal on on his uh, predecessor. So that's the goal. And because of the various um, provisions in U.S. law, in order to get it signed by November 30th, um, a deal a, a text of a deal has to be released and presented to Congress by the end of this month. So that is the currently. The, the sort of the urgency or, the, or the, the, the supposed deadline, I guess, that everyone is, is looking at. And that's what uh, uh, Congressman uh, Steve Scalise uh, was referring to yesterday. So we're talking Wednesday afternoon. What do you think the chances are of getting this done by week's end? Well, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> anything is, I guess, is possible in in trade deals. That's what I keep hearing. You know, uh, just when you think that that uh, all hope is lost, you know, somehow, uh, you know, uh, compromises are made and, and and deals are struck. So, I mean, it it is, uh, you know, uh, anything is possible, I think, and including a deal by the end of this week. Um, it does seem, though, that there are a lot of issues um, uh, that, you know, apparently have not been resolved that still have to be resolved. Um, uh, so, I mean, it, it seems hard to believe that that could happen, but I, you know, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. So what are these, what's, what is the current divide? What is it that the U.S. wants us to give up on? Where are we still far apart here? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I should, uh, I, I should start with a caveat that, that, you know, uh, I don't think anyone except those who are, uh, you know, actually at the negotiating table know exactly where the the talks stand um but certainly you mm-hmm. know you talk to people who who are are briefed on what's been happening and that kind of thing and and uh you know you get some sense of what's going on um certainly uh one of the main issues is uh, you know as, as everyone's heard about is the uh canadian dairy industry and americans desire to uh, well, ideally, do away with our uh, supply management system, but but at least to get more access to the dairy market. There's the so-called Chapter 19 dispute resolution system, which is for uh, you know resolving disputes over uh, countervailing and anti-dumping duties. 
Um, there is uh, the issue of Canadian uh, cultural industries and, and sort of the carve out that those have in NAFTA currently and, and the desire of the Americans to maybe uh, loosen uh, some of that. Uh, you know, there's uh, in the in the deal the Americans reached with Mexico, there were some um, elements that dealt with intellectual property rights that would require a change in Canadian law, like, for instance, extending the essentially the patent protection for a certain class of drugs, um, extending the, uh, the the copyright uh, uh, period for, you know, artistic uh, products, that kind of thing. So th those would be the uh, uh, some of the main issues. Okay. And. Are there any concessions that we're seeking from the U.S. on some of these, like the trade dispute resolution? We don't want that to be removed. We want to still have something in place in the agreement so it doesn't have to be heard by uh, U.S. courts. Um, anything else that we're hoping to get out of this? Well, you know, that that's an interesting question because, yeah, I mean, I, I would think, I think the most of the issues that are, uh, you know, the sort of the hot issues are, Basically, things that the Americans want uh, changed, and I'm I'm not aware of any major uh, ask that Canada has uh, with regards to current American policy around around trade, and and I think you know uh, it, it was kind of unexpected when the Prime Minister a couple of weeks ago said that uh, you know one of the Canada's red lines was protecting the cultural industries. Because we hadn't really heard that that was an issue, it's, that was something the Americans were really that concerned about. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's possible that that the prime minister raised that because, you know, if in fact, you know, they, they get the Americans to agree not not to change any of that sort of exemption for cultural industries, Canada can claim that as a victory. But it's not really mm -hmm. changing anything now; it's just sort of uh, maintaining the status quo. So, I mean, I think those will probably be the Canadian victories, you know, um, uh, preventing uh, changes that uh, the U.S. wants and Canada doesn't. Now, the, Canada had to make some concessions on supply management to get other trade deals done. Um, the European Free Trade Agreement, and I believe it was a, a trade deal with China. Um, what is the status of what we're willing to give up on with supply management or is the U.S. just asking for it to be done away with? Well, yeah, I mean, the Americans, the official American stance at the negotiating table is that they want supply management to end. Um, I, I think uh, certain officials, including the agriculture secretary, have said, in fact, they, you know, they're not really expecting that, but they do want more access to to the market. And yeah, as you said, it was basically the, the seat of the the trade agreement with Europe and and the TPP, the agreement with, uh, I guess, ten, now 10 other uh, Pacific uh, nations that did mm -hmm. grant uh, those countries more access to the dairy market. And, and I think it added up to, between the two deals, about 5% of the uh, of the Canadian market that, that we were, we are opening up to to those countries. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, what I've heard and, and what other journalists have reported is that Canada is willing to, to to give up that kind of some kind of access increased access to the to the market so you know maintain the basic supply management system but allow a greater uh sort of uh export quota for the united states that's one thing and then there's another uh, issue in, involving um uh, a, a product uh 
and, and it's kind of complicated, but it's, it's known as a class seven milk. Um, and this is sort of a new product that the Americans introduced. And then Canada came up with a, a, a sort of a, a low priced alternative that took away the, the market the Americans had got. So, uh, you know, the word is that the Canada is, is probably willing to, to, um, ax that, uh, that class seven program uh, as well. Okay. So what happens if a deal doesn't get done by the end of the month? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a good question. I mean, certainly, you know, uh, Representative Scalise in his statement yesterday and, and some others have, have sort of raised kind of uh, uh, doomsday kind of scenarios in terms of what might happen. And certainly uh, it would definitely not be good for Canada to, um, uh, to not be part of a, a new uh, NAFTA deal. Um, but, uh, it's, it's not as if everything would fall apart. I mean, you know, uh, certainly in the short term, the existing NAFTA agreement would, would remain in place. Um, however, I mean, th- that being said, I mean, you know, United States imposed tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum, and it, it has essentially said that those will be lifted when we reach a new NAFTA deal. So without a new NAFTA deal, that means those those tariffs continue to be in place. And also, uh, of course, uh, President Trump has threatened to impose tariffs on uh, auto imports from Canada, and that would obviously have a you know a, a huge impact on the Canadian economy and and on the American uh, economy as well. And in, thro- thrown into the mix is, of course, is the question of whether Congress would um, approve uh, merely a. a bilateral deal with Mexico, as, as Trump has said, is possible. It's, it's not clear whether Congress would actually approve that. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on NAFTA and other federal political issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, Montreal Gazette, Ottawa Citizen, Regina Leader Post, Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. So if there's no deal, the arrangement under the existing NAFTA would still continue. Um, but I get the sense that U.S. President Trump wants to see a new trade deal signed with Canada to deal with some sticky issues as far as he is concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think also he, I mean, he does as much as he has... Um you know, uh, made sort of threats or, uh, um, if you can call them that, I mean, I think he probably does recognize that, that Canada is, uh, you know, one of, uh, the top, uh, I think two or three, uh, trading partners of the United States that the two economies are just sort of, you know, intricately intertwined. So, I mean, you know, it would be bad for the United States. I, I think if, if Canada was not, uh, part of a, uh, part of a deal, um, so, uh, I mean, I, I think ultimately that's what he wants, but he has said, uh, that he would be willing to go ahead with, uh, a, a bilateral deal just with, with Mexico. And certainly, I mean, in terms of Trump's, uh, complaints about NAFTA and, you know, you remember 
during the, uh, the the presidential election. He he complained about NAFTA, repeatedly called it the worst trade deal ever, that kind of thing. Most of those <laughs> complaints are with respect to Mexico and and his contention that you know cheap labor in Mexico has, has drawn manufacturing jobs you know away from the United States. So that would seem to be his his main priority. Yeah, and you were down in the U.S. Uh, in the summer during the period when. Uh, the U.S. and Mexico were hammering out this bilateral deal. Um, what is the sense in the Canadian camp about that deal? Is there a sense that Mexico did an end run around us, um, that it really hurt our position in our own talks with uh, the U.S.? What, where are we at on that deal? Well, yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 was, it was a very interesting time when I was down there because, um, you know, it began with just a couple of days of bilateral meetings between the Mexicans and the Americans and, and the Mexicans were saying and, and Canada was repeating, oh, they're just dealing with some bilateral issues between the two countries. And, you know, once they're done with that, we'll, we'll get back in there, Canada said and, and Mexico also said. And that really continued for, you know, basically for five weeks and then, Suddenly, uh, they announce this deal, and it's not just a deal over bilateral issues. It, it's a whole complete uh, revamping of, of of NAFTA, and definitely, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think Canada expected that. And um, yeah, I mean, what, was it an end run? You could certainly argue that. Um, I mean, Mexico would say, you know, that they have to look out for their own interests, and uh, and uh, you know that they saw. Uh, uh, an opportunity with this presidential transition to uh, to get a, a deal through uh, quickly, and, and that's what they did. Um, also, I mean, uh, interestingly, you know, what I've heard is that the Mexicans were a little bit uh, peeved with Canada because uh, it was Canada that that proposed um, a solution to the so-called rules of origin uh, issue on on automobile imports into the states and. And, and they had suggested that, you know, a certain percentage of, of vehicles that are exported into the U.S. duty-free under NAFTA be made in, in factories where workers are paid as, as, you know, a certain level. It turned out to be $16. Um, Mexicans agreed to that uh, eventually as part of this bilateral mm-hmm. deal. But, um, you know, apparently they, they are a little bit peeved that Canada sort of brought this idea to the fore, uh, which the Americans then, uh, then sort of ran with. So there may be a, a little bit of uh, um, irritation on, uh, on both sides, I guess. But certainly, I think Canada was taken by surprise and, and presented with, a, a, you know, a, a, a long, a, you know, an expansive agreement uh, with a lot of uh, elements that uh, they weren't necessarily happy with. Now, there's been a lot of talk through all of this that, the Trudeau government has either botched NAFTA talks, didn't take them seriously, tried to have things added to NAFTA that shouldn't be in a trade agreement, um, or were mean to President Trump, and now he's out for some kind of personal vendetta against Canada because Christia Freeland made comments about him in a speech at a foreign policy conference. There's been all of this kind of political chatter Cutting through all of that, is there a case to be made that the Trudeau government hasn't done well in these negotiations? Uh, 
Well, you know, it's it's a really uh, good question and one I've I've kind of in my own mind I've kind of grappled with, um, and I certainly hear from a lot of readers who are convinced that uh, the liberals have totally screwed this up. Um, I mean, it, it's not. I don't think it's a clear cut uh, um, issue, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think in, at the beginning of the talks, the Canadians brought in issues, you know, uh, they want to dealt with in this, you know, around gender equality, that kind of thing that, that maybe the Americans weren't that interested in. Um, and certainly there, you know, there were a couple of times when, um, uh, you know, Christopher Freeland, uh, sort of, you know, with that speech or, or, or in interviews with American media was quite critical of, uh, you know, of the Trump administration, you know, which I'm, you know, one would imagine did not go over very well. Um, and I think also, I mean, what I've been told is that, uh, Robert Lighthizer, the, uh, the U S trade representative, sort of their ministerial level, uh, negotiator, he was not happy with, uh, Freeland because of this whole Canadian kind of charm offensive where they went out and, and sort of lobbied members of Congress and, and state governors and, and, and various, uh, politicians sort of around, uh, the, the white house and, uh, you know, and we're fairly successful in sort of getting them on side. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that probably did irritate the, uh, the, the Americans. Um, and I think they also, around this time, they started the, the bilateral, bilateral talks with Mexico. Word I've heard is that they were expecting Canada to come up with some kind of overture, some kind of concession that would sort of get kickstart talks again, and and that didn't happen. Um, on the other hand, I mean, you know, uh, I've also heard the argument that that Canada is simply doing what it always does, which is sort of bargain hard, not not you know not give away too much at the beginning, leave any concessions sort of to the to the end, you know, basically be. Uh, sort of hard-nosed um, bargainers. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure that you can fault them for that. Um, but of course, you know, everything's changed with this administration, which is not really, you know, in favor of free trade, I guess. Well, leaves us lots to watch for uh, over the next coming uh, weeks. Tom, thanks very much for your time. Okay, thank you. Here's what else is happening. The Ontario Court of Appeal has granted a stay to a lower court ruling that blocked Premier Doug Ford's plan to cut the size of Toronto City Council. In a unanimous decision, the court said that the question isn't whether Bill 5 is unfair, but unconstitutional, and so they ruled the lower court judge erred in granting the original stay. The election, slated for October 22nd, will go ahead with just 25 wards up for grabs. And an editor with the New York Review of Books is no longer with the magazine after publication of an essay by disgraced former broadcaster Gian Gameshi. According to a spokesman, Ian Baruma is no longer with the magazine just days after the publication of Gameshi's controversial essay, which was seen by many as whitewashing past allegations about him. The former CBC host, who was fired after allegations of assault and sexual assault came to light, was ultimately acquitted of attacking three women, but apologized to a fourth complainant and signed a peace bond. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.